Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Looney Libis, serial entrepreneur, mentor, advisor, and educator. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, you know, I kind of found you on LinkedIn and I thought, wow, this guy's doing um, tons of stuff. But maybe kind of before we get into that, um, let's get to know you a little bit better and kind of cover uh, where you grew up. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm a bi-coastal person. I grew up in New Jersey and L.A. Really? Okay. Yeah, so, and, then back, and then back to New Jersey after L.A. Okay, so kind of what made, like, you were born in New Jersey or L.A.? I was born in New Jersey. I won't tell you which town. All right, fair. Um, uh, and then moved out to L.A., started school there as a little kid. Okay. Uh, moved back at age 10. Okay. Uh, and then went to school in Pittsburgh, lived in Texas for a little while, and, uh, and then decided uh, after I finally had, had the chance to pick where I wanted to live, uh, I picked Seattle. Sure. Love Seattle. It's a great town. Um, so I'm kind of curious then, what did you kind of take in post-secondary education? Um, oh, boy. Uh, so I'm trained as a computer scientist and mathematician. Okay. So what kind of got you going into that field? Oh, I got a computer. At, uh, I learned how to program it at age 12. Okay. And I'm old enough where that's odd. No, no. I think that's awesome. I, I think that, that's, that's really cool. But what kind of got you interested in the computer then, you know, that early on? Oh, I, I, that? I have no idea. I had, um, you know, um, I had, my parents bought a Pong game when I was six. Okay. Pong came out when I was six. Sure. Maybe five. I uh, went down that path, had an Atari 2600, right, the first first computer game you could have at home. And uh, one natural trajectory that I've seen in the tech world of that is, you know, then an Apple II and then a Mac and and then onward to, to learn how to do that as a profession. Sure. Uh, so I, I think I've always had a computer around. It's just, I, I, I'm uh, 46, but, uh, you know, when they describe the digital generation, the millennials now and and uh, the digital natives. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been on email since the early '80s. Um, I, I've always had, I've pretty much always had email. Well, that, that's uh, awesome. So, you ended up in Seattle. Kind of, was there a big thing, like a big reason you wanted to live in Seattle, or or, or what made you move to Seattle eventually? Yeah, I came for the weather. Okay. Uh, which everyone laughs at that line. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I was living in Texas, and it was like 120 degrees in, in November. Sure. Uh, it was brutally hot. Um, I didn't like, I didn't like, that was the first time I lived in a place where you lived in air conditioning all year round. Uh, the heater never came on. Right, uh, right. And I didn't want to do that. I'd grown up uh, most of my life in New Jersey where it's freezing cold in the winter. Sure. Um, you're, you're further north than that. You, yeah. You know freezing, but, but uh, I wanted someplace temperate. Okay. I pulled out the map of the U.S. I was uh, planning on doing a software company. Okay. Do a software company anywhere. This was ni 1991 when I pulled out the map. Okay. Um, and really, there was only the, the only place you could go that was special in 1991 was uh, the Bay Area, not San Francisco, but you know, the Silicon Valley below San Francisco. Sure. Um, and that one didn't didn't appeal to me. I'd been there many times before. Um, 
and so the the next choice was anywhere. Sure. Uh, and I picked Seattle because it seemed like a great place. It was the most livable city in the country that year, according to the, the magazines that say such things. Interesting. I'd been out there twice. I'd been out here twice. It seemed like a nice place. It was green. It was clean. Never sure. got too hot. Never got too cold. Sure. Uh, so I got in a car and drove out. No, that's awesome. I, I always love kind of knowing people's stories of kind of like where they end up and like how they got there and like why they chose it. Like I've been to Seattle a couple of times and I don't know, the thing that I noticed, like it's got this like clean, you get off the plane and it's like, it's got this like clean smell about the city. Like it's just refreshing and it's like, there's lots going on. Obviously it's had a, it like it's always kind of had a really good music scene and kind of like a art culture. Like I, and like obviously like Microsoft is not too far and like, you know, Amazon, and there's a bunch of kind of tech in that area as well, right? Yeah, it's become, since I've been here, it's become so much more. Sure. When I got here, there wasn't, that that wasn't here yet. Grunge hadn't even been invented yet. Uh, sure. Star, Starbucks had one store. Really? Uh, that That's, that's. Maybe four, four stores by the time I came here. But uh, uh, Microsoft was way out in the boonies, out in the, in the edge of the suburbs. Uh, Amazon was a dream. It hadn't started yet. It was three years away from starting. Sure. Uh, the, country, the city was still thinking about the uh, the billboard that literally said "Last one out of Seattle, shut the lights off." Uh, <laughs> with a downturn from Boeing back back ten years earlier. Really interesting. Uh, yeah, it it became much more after I got here, and that was all nice too. But uh, yeah, the whole thing about clean. It, it we're in the corner of the country. There isn't any big smokestacks around to pollute the air. Uh, there aren't that many people. There's way more trees. Uh, you know, air air's clean, water's clean. Uh, it, it, it the only downside up here uh, is that it rains every day. Sure. Uh, and and just for all those people listening, it rains absolutely every day. We don't need any more people here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. So let's kind of get in into kind of what you're doing. You're you're kind of involved in in a bunch of things. Um, you know, you're you're a managing director at a couple companies. You're you know you're founding some stuff. You wrote a book. You're mentoring. You're like you're doing tons of stuff. So let's maybe kind of cover a little bit um, of kind of what what exactly you're doing and kind of where do you want to start with that? Maybe with Kick. Um, all right. Uh, uh, the way I explain it, people look at my LinkedIn profile and uh, think I'm crazy. Uh, sure. You're, you, well, you're doing lots. It's awesome. I, I love it. And that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the show. Yeah, it's it's really long profile. But actually, in fact, I only do one thing. Okay. All right. So all I do uh, every day is get up and find a way to help a startup startup. Okay. Interesting. Uh, now, the way I do it is by having lots of different organizations that I work at or work for. Okay. Uh, and so my day job, the, the, the next, next level down when I describe this is my day job is that I'm the managing director and founder of Fledge, okay. which is the Conscious Company Accelerator, okay. uh, which is, uh, has taken the best practices from the tech accelerators and brought it to the space of impact. Got you. Uh, we've been doing that for uh, four years, 52 companies, about to do seven more uh, next week. Wow. So what, what type of companies um, do you guys kind of, you know, uh, help? And even if you want to mention a couple, you, you can if you're, if you're comfortable doing that. It's up to you. All right. So we do, we're, in, we're an impact investing fund. We're looking for companies that make the world better. Uh, and you hear that phrase a lot 
you know, uh, I am a former techie. I spent 20 years in tech. They all talk about, we want to change the world. We want to make things better. We work with companies that actually make the world better. Okay. Uh, that alleviate poverty or clean the environment or uh, make things that are unrecyclable, recyclable, uh, make government transparent, um, uh, and so on. Uh, and so a couple of these companies, uh, the most impactful that we've worked with is a company called Evernew. Okay. Based here in Seattle. They have found a way to make cotton recyclable. Really? So in the wow. history of kind, every piece of cotton clothing ever made has either been thrown away or was destined to be thrown away until Evernew came along. Really? That's very cool. Uh, another one in Argentina is called Arclite. They have a technique for taking any plastic, whether or not you think it's recyclable, uh, and recycling it into a replacement for stone and concrete. Interesting. Okay. Uh, we have two of the largest cook stove companies in Africa. We're taking the smoke out of the homes of, of African women and children. Wow. Uh, we have uh, green charcoal companies in, uh, in Kenya and Malawi. Okay. We have a uh, marketplace for green builders uh, based in Shanghai called Cedar, uh, helps uh, green builders and green building suppliers find each other. Uh, we got a company here in Seattle makes low-cost medical devices for anyone anywhere in the world, uh, but specifically the developing world. A uh, company was in Seattle um, called um, uh, a Simplify, which is one of the one of the many companies that's online uh, trying to make our government transparent. Okay, it's interesting. A great solution for telling your Congress people what uh, what you want them to do. Sure. Uh, so that perhaps they listen to us for a change. Sure. Um, and it keeps going and all the way down to uh, the only domestic producer of escargot in the United States. Wow. Uh, uh, there's 52, so I'll stop there. Sure. So, how did do you guys find these companies? Do they contact you? A little bit of both. Like, how do you guys go about kind of recruiting people or yeah, companies? Yeah, 50-50. So, uh, word of mouth and and shotgun marketing finds half the companies. They reach out to us. Okay. Uh, and then um, there are dozens and dozens of websites now where startups um, create a profile and list themselves to be found. Sure. Uh, so we'll go and, and look at many of those sites and find the startups. Uh, and if they look interesting, we'll reach out and say, hey, um, we could maybe we could help you. Okay, so you, you said, like, how exactly do you help them? Uh, all right, so the the best practices are uh, kind of threefold. Okay. One, uh, first help is $20,000 in cash. Okay. So uh, we write a check to them, uh, and they get a little bit of money take some of that money and they spend it to come here to Seattle for uh, eight weeks. Okay. Um, so they get on a plane, they find a place to stay, but they're, they're with us here in Impact Hub Seattle every day for eight weeks. Okay. And then while, we're, while they're here, we teach them how to be better startups. And that has three parts. Okay. Uh, part is a class and entrepreneurship. Okay. So are you teaching this? Do you have a bunch of people teaching you this or, or how does that kind of work? Yeah, um, and I'll answer that in a second when okay. we talk about my other job. Sure. There's a class that I teach uh, that I created um, uh, for this and other purposes. Okay. Uh, and then secondly, we flood them with mentors. So okay. We have about 340 people who have so far volunteered uh, to help these teams. Wow, that's awesome. More than we have teams. So wow. Basically the, the, you know, we have a problem is, is too many mentors, not enough teams. Wow. High class problem. 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> Bad problem to have. <laughs> and so they come in and they work with the teams as well. Got you. Uh, and then we um, focus, focus a ton of effort on teaching these entrepreneurs how to talk about what they're doing, how to get that down to a 60-second uh, pitch and a six-minute pitch. And uh, we put them up on stage in front of 200 people, record it, put it up on the Internet, uh, and uh, aim, aim to make those TED Talks. Because kind of what our companies do is way more inspirational and uh, and interesting than an app that does whatever. Got you. Uh, so they're able to get up on stage, and, and most of them are able to get up on stage and say something that's equivalent to at least a TEDx talk, if not a TED talk. Right. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's really cool. So how does a company, I guess, go about if they want to reach out to you guys? That's pretty easy. There's a website. It's called Fledge.co. Okay. Dot co because the guy owns the dot com has owned it forever. Sure. Um, uh, if anyone knows them, tell them to give it to us. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, on that site is a, a description of all the details and a button you can press to apply. Okay. Now the downside of Fledge, uh, and it does have a downside, is that uh, this time around two percent of the applicants got accepted. Okay. Why? Why is that? We're we're a for-profit company. We have limited resources. Uh, we only pick seven at a time. Okay. And how many times a year do you do you do this? We've been doing it twice a year every year. So, but, okay. but each time it's harder. Last time it was it was three and a half percent. Got you. Uh, and so we're down to that range of of, uh, of winning the lottery of you know going to Stanford Business School or Harvard Business School, uh, which is a shame. Right. We we'd love to help more companies, but. But just the reality is that that's what we're down to. Okay, so would you guys would like would you be able to help more are more companies if you you had more money or like what's kind of holding you back? Is it just because it sounds like you have the people potentially to help? Yeah, there, there's um there's a bunch of factors, including money, including um, the amount of capital available for companies like this in the world. Right. Uh, and most of our mentors are here in Seattle. Uh, most of the companies that come in are not. Uh, so to tackle these problems, uh, for 2016, I got some new goals. Okay. Uh, my personal goals. Uh, one is to replicate Fledge into more cities. Okay, very cool. Just announced that uh, two weeks ago. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, we are looking for people who, who want to be uh, like me, who want to help startups start up. Okay. Uh, in major world cities. Okay. So so how, like if somebody wants to you know start up a Fledge in their city, do how do they get a hold? Do they just reach out to you? Yeah, so come on LinkedIn and, and send me an email, or come to the Fledge website and click on contact. Okay, uh, right. I'm 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 findable. Um, sure. And I'll uh, post I'll post yeah. all these links in the show notes and whatnot too, so people have access to those on the website as well. Yeah. So thank you. So yeah. So Fledge Toronto, awesome. We would love to have a Fledge Toronto and a Fledge uh, Atlanta. I think you're. This is broadcast in Atlanta. You said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and floods London and Hong Kong and Singapore and, and Nairobi and <laughs> uh, that's awesome though major world city sure um, and uh, I'm also personally with a with a partner launching a seed fund this year okay uh, provide some more follow-on capital to to pledge grads okay uh, so that's called aviary okay uh, there's not much on the website the website is aviary.vc okay and and so, what kind of stuff are you guys looking to fund? Like, obviously, I'm assuming that kind of impactful company companies, or 
or kind of a some of that, some other stuff? Like, tell me more kind of exactly what you're looking to fund with that. Yeah, so the goal is to um, leverage this this program that's called Fledge. Uh, so the, 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 the two pieces don't sound related, but they are. So to make more Fledge programs happen around the world, to find more uh, companies that are worthy of investment uh, by a venture capital firm, uh, and then be that venture capital firm and syndicate with others uh, to do the follow-on funding. So we're looking to use the Fledge pipeline uh, to find those companies, to train those companies, and to smother them with support so that um, uh, when we write a check to them as a venture capitalist, we're not just promising them to help you know, with our little black book of, of contacts, uh, but truly help them with you know, three or 4,000 uh, mentors who are out there willing to help them. Okay. No, that, that's awesome. So when exactly is that kind of launching or you don't know yet? Uh, goal is 2016. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll do our damnedest to hit that goal. Sure. So like, is like, I guess what's holding you up? Is there anything that kind of any, the listener out there could potentially help with or, or not really? Um, uh, it's, oh, you know, one of the limiting factors in all businesses is, uh, startup capital. Okay. But, uh, but I'll, I'll leave it at that just to keep the SPC off my back. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. So I'm kind of curious to know, um, you're, you're kind of doing a bunch of stuff and obviously you're kind of mentoring people as well. Um, you know, you've, you've done some kind of teaching, you've done tons of speaking engagements, you know, and kind of coaching and whatnot. Do you maybe kind of want to give advice to people or kind of talk about what you usually cover and you see all the time? Because you deal with startups, you deal with startups kind of globally and, you know, there, there must be kind of a lot of things that you kind of see, you know, either mistakes or things to do that you could kind of recommend to the, the listener. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll try. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so one, one learning that I had uh, in this transition I had from uh, being a techie to, to uh, helping these social good entrepreneurs. Sure. Uh, I had been a techie for 20 years. I had started uh, four software companies and wrote the business plan for the fifth one I worked at. Sure. Um, and I had never taken a class in business. Okay. Interesting. Um, and so, first off, you don't need to take a class in business. Okay. Uh, although, uh, uh, if you follow down the path that I followed down, you will make a lot of mistakes. Sure. Uh, and uh, as we all know, most company, most startups don't succeed. Most of them die. Right. Uh, and most die making the same mistakes as other ones make. So it behooves you to take a class in business uh, and especially entrepreneurship. I'm, again, I'm just so old that there wasn't such easy paths um, for, for, uh, for entrepreneurs back then. Right? There was the MBA path, but there really wasn't any other path. Um, now, with a really surprising part was when I sat down back in uh, 20, uh, 2011 um, uh, to try and understand what I knew. So I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't even know what I did know in 2011. Okay. So sat down and I wrote the first book, my first book. Uh, it's called The Next Step. Uh, and that's since turned into a six-book series uh, on, on entrepreneurship. And the biggest surprise of writing six books and counting uh, is that there isn't three things that entrepreneurs need to know. Okay. Or five, 10, or 20. Uh, that um, 
when, when I, you know, so hundreds of people have read these books now. Uh, I use them in my class at, at Pinter University. I use them at Pledge. People buy them off of Amazon. Uh, and I meet a lot of people who said they read the book. It was really great. It's like to direct. It's to the point. There's no repetition. And yet it takes six books and 500 pages to describe you know, a modicum of what you need to know to be a successful entrepreneur. That's the big surprise. Um, it's really complicated. Uh, the, the, the part that people who've never done this uh, don't understand, and most people who are entrepreneurs are first-time entrepreneurs, so they've never done this before, is it's really complicated. Uh, that there's hundreds of decisions you need to make, and you know you get do you get a dozen of them wrong, your company dies. Sure. Um, you, know, you can make a few wrong. Uh, most of them are not betting your company, so you can make a few wrong. But you can make you know, you make twelve decisions wrong, or seven decisions wrong, or, or five, and, and your company dies. Um, right after it could be first year, it could be fourth year, it could be tenth year. Got you. Um, and so what I've found that helps the most uh, to get around that uh, is a uh, know what you don't know. It's at least understand what you what topics you need to know to be a successful entrepreneur, which is a lot of topics. You need you need to know something about finance and something about sales and marketing, uh, and operations and and um, and raising money. Um, if you if you don't know how to do sales, you're going to fail. Sure. Uh, if you don't know how to do marketing, you're going to fail. If you don't know how to raise money, you're not going to raise money. Uh, so you need to you need to know which of those you're weak at, and you need to do something about that. And that, and that something is more than just hiring someone. Um, uh, and you need to think about these things before you just jump in. So there's a big meme going around the tech world, which is you know screw the business plan, uh, just you know build something, launch it, see what happens. Uh, that might be true for an app, but that's not true for most companies. I I think that's really good advice. Actually, I I, I really like that. Um, like I I think like. That's that's the thing that I'm really trying to kind of cover a lot with the show and kind of why I really wanted to have you on the show is because you've been through it. You see this stuff all the time. You're helping companies. You know, like you said, you, you wrote a bunch of books on it. And I think there's a lot of like misguided advice that seems to get popular on, online. And I think, you know, like you just said, it could work for maybe these small little app ideas. But for a real business that wants to make money, it, it's just not going to happen with that. Yeah, I think where it came in the in the tech world was um, certainly the year Instagram, which I think was yeah, a few years ago. ago yeah, uh, uh, there is a um, unspoken assumption in the world of tech and startups uh, that if you grow really fast, you you will succeed, uh, and it's mostly true because if you grow really fast. Some company out there that has already succeeded wants your customer, uh, and so like Instagram, when they got to whatever it was a hundred million customers, sure, uh, hundred million users because nobody paid anything, uh, it had value. It, 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 without any revenues, it had value um, to an existing company, and that's just not true in in most industries. Sure, we've sold two hundred fifty thousand cook stoves in Ethiopia, a company called Obama Stove. Okay. No one's going to buy it. It's profitable. There is no buyer for it. Uh, when we get to five hundred thousand cook stoves, I don't think they'll still. I don't. I still don't think there'll be a buyer. I don't think there'd be a buyer if we had a million cook stoves and it was making a half a million dollars a year. There just there isn't a company out there looking for a half a million customers in Ethiopia buying cook stoves. Interesting. Um, 
Uh, yet, if I had a, a, an app that had a half a million downloads, uh, I at least get an aqua hire from that. Right. right uh, at least I get a, a nice exit for the founder. Um, uh, and so, you know, if you're building a real business, you got to do a little bit of planning on how you're going to stay in business after, the, after you launch. Uh, and not a ton. It doesn't have to be a year. It doesn't have to be six months. You can do all the, you can do that planning in a month. Um, and then the second thing is when I've seen companies sit down and do this planning, uh, it works best when you have a lot of people giving you advice, which doesn't sound intuitive. Okay. Uh, this is what I learned from being a mentor at Techstars. The Techstars are now, I think, nine years old. There's 22 tech stars around the world. Uh, it's either them or Y Combinator or the preeminent accelerator. We don't have to argue which one. Sure. They, they just, they're both preeminent in different ways. But what's different about the two uh, is the tech stars in, in, invented this idea of um, mentor whiplash. Okay. Inviting so many people, so many different people for their teams that uh, the teams at some point, usually week five or week six, uh, push back and say, I can't talk to anybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm done. There, there's, there's just too many ideas in my head. Um, and that sounds like a bad thing, but it's actually what, uh, what helps these entrepreneurs make the breakthrough ideas that they need to succeed. Uh, so we do the same thing at Pledge. This is why we have 300 and change mentors. Gotcha. Um, and what happens is, um, you know, when you have your team of two or three, you come up with a lot of ideas, but not all the ideas. When you then add in, you know, five or six or ten more um, opinions, often you you hear the same thing over and over again. But often people have these crazy ideas that are the real, the real big um, success piece, or um, uh, you know, or you're having a hard time picking from from A or from B, uh, and getting seven more opinions helps you figure out which, which is the right questions to ask to get the right answer. It's not that the people are giving you the answer, but they're giving you the questions to ask. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So that is really important, and it is exceedingly hard to do if you're just a lone entrepreneur without a program around you. Got you. Uh, it's really hard to do if, if you found you know your local uh, economic development incubator that gives you a coach or two, or your business plan competition that gives you a coach or two. It doesn't do the same. You don't get the same same effect with one or two opinions. Uh, and so, TechStars uh, and Pledge and a few other programs have this this concept of lots of mentors. Mentors until you sit. In, mentors come until you say you can't handle another mentor. Okay, interesting. So, do you have any kind of advice for people that are looking for mentors and kind of how to go about getting them? Um, I, I get that question asked all the time. Uh, I've been in that position myself as a as an entrepreneur. Um, there's really only two ways I know to make that work. Uh, one is you either uh, start just doing coffee shop meetings. Okay. Uh, and when I was doing the Fledge business plan, I succeeded at doing this by doing at least 15 meetings a week. Wow, that many! Wow. Times 20. That's awesome. Uh, all over Seattle. Uh, and every meeting ended with the ask of, can you give me two more people to talk to? Oh, interesting. So, That's really good advice, actually. Yeah, so I started with 10, okay. maybe 15 people. Uh, got them to agree to a coffee meeting. Uh, we're in their office, wherever. I just, you know, I, I got a lot of exercise th those months. Sure. Were those uh, people you knew, or did you know some of them, 
not know some of them, reach out to them through kind of email, social media, that kind of stuff? Well, I started with people I knew. Okay. And then asked them for, give me some names of people I don't know who I should talk to. Got you. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, three meetings later, three meetings into this, you're now talking to you know, third or fourth generation out. Right. That's awesome. And you have to ask for two because not everyone's going to take the meeting. So as long as you get one new name from every meeting, you can do this forever. Sure. Uh, until you had enough opinions. Um, and... Uh, and, you know, it really is just, I've done it. It really is possible to do 20 coffee shop meetings in a week. Right? It's only four a day. Sure. Um, right? They, they're not going to be long. They could be half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, and you ask, you know, you tell them what you're doing. You ask what they're doing. And, uh, and you ask them for help. And uh, a lot of people, at least in the social good space, pretty much everyone wants to help. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. And I think a lot of people are, are scared to kind of do what you just mentioned. Well, it's, it's hard work. I got a blog post about brute force. Uh, and there's a couple good blog posts about it I've seen on, like, uh, Fred Wilson's blog and, uh, and Brad Feld's blog. We're two, two preeminent VC blogs. Um, uh, one's a.vc.com and the other one's feld.com. Okay, um, awesome. Uh, brute force is just something that isn't taught anywhere. Um, when, I mean, when I say brute force... Um, that's a that's an example. Another example would be um, you need a mailing list of a hundred names. Uh, maybe there's some organization out there that that has a hundred chapters that's useful to you. Okay, interesting. Uh, there isn't a list, right? You could go to the web. You go to a hundred websites and pull off contact lists. Right? It might take you four hours or eight hours. Yeah. So my answer to that is okay. So it takes you four hours or eight hours, but you then have the list. Got you. And. Um, most people wouldn't think of doing that. They would like they would give up on the fact that they can't buy it. Yeah, you're right. And you can't, you know, who are you going to hire to go do that? It's going to take you, you know, five hours to find an intern and and a hundred dollars to pay them and whatnot, or two hundred dollars to pay them. My answer is just sit down and get the, get the work done. Uh, sure. If it takes you, if it's a week, fine. But now you have two things come out of this. Now you have your answer you want, and B. Uh, your competition isn't going to probably follow you in that footstep, so that they're, you're going to have advantage over them. Sure. I, I think that's actually really good advice, and I think that's the thing that I think people forget a lot of times is sometimes they want kind of the easy way out where if they just spent the time and think of creative ways to use, like, the Internet, basically, to reach out to the people that you want to reach out to, you know, you can be very successful, and you think, like... The, the world is so small now with the internet and you could basically figure out how to get a hold of anybody on the planet if you really, really want to talk to them or an organization or company. You just need to kind of think of creative ways to do that. And, you know, and obviously some people are, are kind of have more courage than others to do certain things and you just need to figure out what's in your comfort zone, right? And, you know, maybe you start off by sending emails and kind of maybe you know, asking for coffee or maybe it's a little bit more, like you said, kind of email based or, or whatnot, right? And I think I think that's really good advice and that a lot of people aren't willing to put in that much work to get, you know, like an email list or something like you just mentioned. Yeah, I and mean, let's put the two ideas together. Um, and so the other way you can get mentors is to get accepted to a program that's like Pledge or like Techstars. Uh, and more and more, there's a lot of these programs. Uh, they're not all worth it. I've seen studies on that, um, but you know, there's a lot of programs out there, and um, uh, 
there's so many programs that the only way you could possibly uh, assure yourself to get into one this year is to apply to, you know, 300 of them. Wow. Uh, well, well, again, sure. take the brute force effort. If you go to fsuccess.com, it's letter F, number number six, letter S.com, uh, you will find, last I looked, there's like 2,500 programs on there. Wow. Uh, and you there's no... There's no one application form for all of them, but you could sort them by uh, locations and interests, their interests, uh, and start filling out forms. And two or three days later, you'd be done filling out 100 or 200 forms. Um, and uh, and then your your odds of getting into one of them are way higher than if you just apply to one. Sure, I I think that's that's really good advice, and and like I I, I love basically how open you are about this stuff and you know that it like you you always read or like a lot of people read stuff online that it's just this like mystical thing that it just like happens to people and i kind of i like the term like created luck in in some ways yeah. because sometimes it's a bit lucky but like you also need to work your ass off to get lucky right yeah i was just teaching that in my class uh two weeks ago so um it, it, that topic comes up Somewhere every time I teach teach entrepreneurship, uh, there are there are different kinds of luck, and the the kind of luck that makes companies succeed has nothing to do with the lottery. Okay, uh, interesting. It's the kind of luck that's created by taking fifteen coffee shop meetings per week. Sure. Uh, or once you're up and running, you know, keeping it up and having at least one random conversation per week with someone who reaches out to you or you reach out, reach out to reach out to them. Um, it's really serendipity. It's that something will come along that you were, that that um, that's related to what you're doing that you would not have noticed unless you had your company up and running, unless you were out talking to people. Uh, it will land in your lap, and it and it could change your life. Uh, that's the kind of luck that that uh, that's the kind of luck that makes uh, makes companies happen, that makes co-founders find each other, that makes customers show up. Uh, you know, it, it, you, you can't plan for it, but uh, but it's somewhat under your control. Sure. No, I I think that's really good advice, and I think that that's kind of really fascinating to me, and and that's pretty much how I've gotten anything that's kind of come in come in my career as well. Is just you know asking and reaching out to people, and sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no, and just kind of figuring out creative ways to put yourself out there, right? And these opportunities will present themselves at some point. It might take months. It might take years. And somebody you met maybe even five, six years ago might just message you out of the blue one day and say, hey, I remember when we had coffee and you know I met somebody that you should meet or who knows, right? You, networking is never a bad thing. Uh, correct. And, and, you know, uh, there's, there is, I, try and, I try and start all my conversations with how can I help you. Sure. Um, that's something else I've learned from uh, many, many years of of, uh, of networking in life. Because uh, as soon as you start helping them, then yeah, someday they remember that conversation and turn around and help you. It's it's a karma writ, writ large, right? Or again, it's karma under your control. Sure. Um, you know, be nice to everyone and 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 try and help them more than they help you. Sure. So I'm curious, and you probably get this question a, um, a lot, though. If it's somebody like maybe just straight out of high school or something, or they're straight out of university, they probably think that they can't necessarily help somebody that's maybe been 
maybe that's a bit older than them that's been kind of in the in the business longer or you know doing a startup do you, do you get that question a lot like people no. are insecure about helping when they're kind of maybe new to the industry not really I don't think so um, uh, I don't remember I'm sure I've had it but I don't, it's not one that it comes up a lot okay well no that's good then because I, I've just heard that from a few people that sometimes they feel like they can't add value to somebody that's maybe a lot more experienced than them. And I, I don't think that's true, but I, I was just curious if you've had that same experience, I guess. And it sounds like it's pretty rare for you. You know, that's pretty rare. Uh, that's I have, awesome. I would love to have someone just out of high school or still in high school who understands uh, Instagram and Snapchat help me. Sure. Because uh, I've never used either of those. I don't know what they're good for. I don't know if they could be good for, for business. Uh, and I don't have any time to look. Sure. Uh, right. My kids use them, but they're busy too. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Fair. Uh, so, so even then, you know, there, there are, there, you know, I'm trying. If I'm trying to reach that crowd, uh, you know, in my business, then uh, you know, having a conversation with someone from that crowd, whatever crowd that is, uh, is useful. Sure. I, I think that's that's really good advice. So you're also involved in kind of a, a pre-accelerator program. Do you, do you want to maybe kind of talk about what that is and kind of exactly what Kick is? Yeah, we got some new news on that. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, last week we announced that uh, Kick has moved uh, and been merged into another organization called Spring University. Okay, very cool. Uh, and so what Kick was, was an answer to uh, what to do with the 98% of the applicants with the pledge that don't get in. Okay. Uh, and what to do with the 99% of entrepreneurs who never even dared apply to pledge. Um, and so what we created was a six-week part-time pre-accelerator program uh, that is licensed to organizations around the world to run locally. Very cool. It's now part of something bigger. It's called Spring University, springu.is, um, based in Vancouver, but not only in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, and Spring is a whole series of programs for entrepreneurs, everything from one-off workshops to a six-week part-time pre-accelerator program. Uh, and it will include a, um, a version of this that's completely online, so anywhere in the anyone in the world can uh, join in. Okay. Uh, these are all tuition-based programs, so this is really a school. Okay. Um, and uh, the core... Uh, the core of some of these classes is the same material that I use at Fledge. It's the same, it's the same uh, based on the books that I talked about earlier. Sure. Uh, and then uh, the team up at Spring has been the most prolific licensee of Kick. Uh, they've run, I think it's now 11 programs in two years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, so they know how to, and they've run some online as well. Uh, and they've run some international as well. Uh, so they have a bunch of material, and, and that's being added to all the licensee um, stuff too. So... We hopefully by the end of the year we'll have 50 cities running a spring universities, um, uh, and and next year hopefully 100 and, and onward. Sure. Uh, so that entrepreneurs anywhere can get uh, you know lots of different levels of help for for uh, moving forward. Yeah. No. That that's awesome. So we're kind of coming to the end of this. Do you maybe want to kind of quickly maybe recap um, just if anybody's tuning in kind of a bit later exactly kind of what Fledge and, and, you know, is and kind of where people can find yourself and um, your companies and ventures online? Sure. So, uh, again, the, the big recap is I only really do one thing. 
right? It looks like I do a lot, but all I do is help entrepreneurs. Uh, I do it from uh, a uh, from Fledge, which is a what I call a full scale global accelerator program. You can find that at fledge.co uh, through my partnership with Spring, which is springu.is, which is a slew of smaller programs for entrepreneurs. Uh, I also teach an MBA class in entrepreneurship at a business school called Pinshow, pinshow.edu. Uh, and I have a six-book series, uh, which will be republished in 2016, uh, updated, uh, called The Next Step. Uh, and you can find that and my blog on lunarmobiscuit.com. Uh, and if you can't see the links or, um, or you're driving or whatever, uh, if you just search Looney, L-U-N-I, and uh, Seattle on Google or Looney and Fledge on Google, they'll find all this for you. Perfect, Looney. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to, you know, kind of following your adventures and, you know, seeing what you, you keep, you know, doing, and, and it's been awesome, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. All right. Thanks, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.